This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. Hey everyone, it's Madison. Here is another special live episode from a convention that you get to listen to. Yay! Surprise! If you would like to see one of these episodes done live, then I have great news for you. On February 18th, we're doing a live event for Through the Ultra Wormhole. The link will be posted online later this week. On February 23rd, we are doing a live episode of Lila's Lessons, and that will be a special episode about prey adaptations. So hopefully you'll come join us for that as well in our new YouTube channel. And then on February 27th, Pokemon Day, we are doing a live Q&A. Please submit your questions either at the Discord or on the link provided in the episode notes. We also will have the link posted on all of our socials, so you can go there and find it as well. Finally, uh, we will be having a live Discord uh, game night, essentially in our Discord, a Pictionary night on February 15th. So please come join us. Uh, Thanks Jillian again for updating our Discord and making it easy enough that all of us can use it instead of the way I originally set it up. My apologies to anyone who was frustrated. I thought I had it set up right, but I am not a tech person. (laughs) So thank you, Jillian. That said, I hope you enjoyed this episode and... Really quick, before the episode starts, we have a special announcement. Thanks. Hey everyone, Madison here, the executive producer at Pika Science with an important statement that we would like to deliver to all of you. When we restructured last year, one of the things we proposed into our bylaws was that we wanted this show to focus on amplifying marginalized voices, especially in the sciences. And one of the things that we would like to focus on is showing solidarity for marginalized communities. We did that last year, obviously with our stands for LGBT community, and right now we would like to show our solidarity for the Palestinian people. I want to thank Chelsea for all the hard work she put in here for this, so thank you Chelsea, and thank you for the entire team for contributions and support, and thank you all of you. We love you all, and our lives are better because of you. Thanks. Hello, I'm Chelsea Connor, one of the Pika Science co-hosts, and I'm here with one of my close friends, Adan. Adan is a Palestinian activist, biologist, and nerd. We would like to share the statement that she helped us write with you about the ongoing genocide in Palestine. We at Pika Science unequivocally support the struggles of the indigenous people of Palestine and all oppressed people of the world. Many have said that the situation in Palestine is complex, and we reject that statement. There is simply the occupier and the occupied. We call for and support an immediate end to the genocide and ethnic cleansing of all people. While we consume and create media inspired by a beloved childhood game like this podcast, the children of Palestine do not have the opportunity to share that joy. 2023 has been the deadliest year on record for Palestinian children. Tens of thousands of Palestinians have been ruthlessly killed since October 7th. We find joy in this game centered on family, both the family that you're born into and the one you find, while entire families have been wiped out in Palestine. In the game, people leave their doors open and you can travel the world safely, but there is no safe space for Palestinians in real life right now. Whole generations have been lost as a result of Zionist actions. We must call it what it is, a genocide. We at Pika Science affirm that the indigenous struggle for Palestine is intersectional. As citizens of the world, all of our struggles are linked. 
Colonialism and imperialism have their hands in all struggles of the world. From Turtle Island to the Sudan to the Congo to Yemen, all impressed people of the world are fighting against the same oppressive forces. The Zionist Israeli government has committed countless war crimes against the Palestinian people with support from other colonialist powers like the U.S. It is important to distinguish between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is discrimination, targeting, and violence directed at Jewish people because of their religious practices and is completely incompatible with movements for collective liberation. Anti-Zionism is the opposition to the political ideology of Zionism. It supports liberation and justice for Palestinian people, including their right to return to their home and land. The equation of the two is deeply harmful to Jewish people and Palestinians alike. Eco-science prides itself on being a home for all people and interests, and it's because of our deeply held ideals that we feel passionately about speaking out in support of all worldwide Indigenous struggles. We can see the impacts of colonialism even in our favorite franchise. We would like to explore this further and expound in an episode which we encourage you to listen to. We urge you to follow, learn from, and amplify Palestinian voices in the diaspora and on the ground those who are risking their lives to share their own occupation. Question the narratives of Western media. Attend protests in your area. None of us are free until we are all free. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Yeah. <laughs> wait, did, wait, you have to go through big jokes with people. For real, did the two of you discuss this? No, oh, but no. it works. Oh, no, no. I mean, but yes, of course we did. Of course we did. No, we did. This entire presentation is planned I, completely. I'm not going off the, the top of the dome for now. How y'all doing? Oh, try again. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no. We're going to do that again. How y'all doing? <laughs> Much better. Yeah, look at that. So excited. Love it. Uh, hello, OhioCon fans, convention goers, people who randomly showed up. Not sure how you got in. Congratulations. Good job. Lack security this year. <laughs> Just wandering in. Uh, welcome to a Pika uh, Science uh, panel. Uh, we are uh, three of the many cast members on the Pika Science podcast here, uh, a science-based uh, podcast channel featuring various video games, uh, originally just Pokemon, but now D&D, we have an ecology show that is focused on video games, uh, ecology, uh, a couple other things in the works, Final Fantasy, I'm telling you, we gotta do it, we gotta do it. I could you like the physics of Portal? <laughs> <laughs> I could get someone for that. I, we, we, we need, you know what? Physicist is the only thing we don't have on staff. It is on my list. I keep looking. It's like the one thing I cannot find. Uh, All right. I'll, I'll look around. <laughs> I'll find one. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited to be here. Uh, I am Madison uh, Sheher, the uh, co-founder. Um, my background is cognitive neuropsychology. I am finishing my third uh, master's in education administration. Uh, and I have with us, I'm going to do Ben first. Hello, uh, I'm Ben. I just joined Pokey Science Podcast uh, in keep, May of last you year. You keep saying just joined, but just that's joined. almost a year. Just joined. No, okay. it's, it's only been like a week. Uh, <laughs> May of last year, so it's been a few months. 
Uh, I am currently doing my PhD in cultural studies at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. So the drive here last night was really treacherous and horrible, but I got here in one piece. And I'm also super pissed right now because I got no shiny Porygons for Community Day at all. Crazy. I have a bunch from last time, but it's okay. I'm just like, what the hell? And who else is here? Hello. Uh, I'm excited because we're talking about my favorite subject, economics. My name is Anaru. I am an MBA student at the University of Pittsburgh. I've got a behavioral economics background. Um, graph go up is my life, and uh, we're going to try to explain why graph go up and why graph go down. <laughs> it's the vital stuff. Graph go up, graph, graph go, go up, down. graph go down is about 80% of economics, so uh, uh, the other 20% is a broke head. No, that's it. Uh, Andrew here has been lovely enough that starting last summer, he started a mini-series all about economic concepts, using the Pokemon games to teach us economic concepts. We've done everything from monopolization. Uh, we just did, uh, uh, did price we just price floors. Yeah, we did price floors, price ceilings. price ceilings. We did stadiums and why and how that works in Galar. Taxation, uh, advertisements, all that great stuff. I so. promise it's more interesting than it sounds. It, it's quite it enjoyable. Interesting. Uh, I, know. I know we're doing the last one here coming up, and, and I want to be in on it because I keep pushing you. I keep telling him I want an episode about how awful insurance would be in the Pokemon world. <laughs> I keep saying no because of that reaction right there of like, that's going to be a long episode. Um, I mean, I will, I mean I it's estimated like, like we spend uh, just for hurricane and flood insurance in Texas alone, it's $4.6 billion a year. So like you're like, okay, well, living near Kyogre. <laughs> so, I think you get a, you get a question already before we even start. No, because the economy is already messed up as it is in Pokemon. To talk about payday, <laughs> it is a very interesting idea. But you know, we could do, to tie it into inflation. Though. That'd be a great episode. We could talk about inflation. I've touched on inflation in various different episodes. Um, my, uh, and so my school does like little reward dollars, and I purposely keep trying to cause inflation. Like I'll hand a kid, they're like, "Oh, I got one in art," and I'm like, "Here's eight. <laughs> all right, so there's, there's uh, really quick, I'm going to take 10 seconds about this. There's healthy inflation, there's not healthy inflation. Healthy inflation is art teacher gives a dollar and Madison gives a dollar. Unhealthy inflation is art teacher gives a dollar, Madison gives her entire account, thus breaking the economy in the process. Now, I'm not saying whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'm just saying it's not a good thing. But once I found <laughs> This is my humor, so for the next like 45 minutes you're gonna have to listen to this. Uh, once I found out that like if they get a hundred of them, they can be like principal for a day, I was like, oh, I'm gonna help all of you get there. <laughs> no? No, but there's more in the office, I just take them when I need more, just give <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, Bad influence. <laughs> all uh, right, you ready? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, um, so I'll go ahead. I'll choose the game. Boom. Oh, yeah, we boy. got a game here. Uh, and I have somewhere in this bag there is one more prize. <laughs> oh, yeah, There's a prize somewhere in there. In fact, for... it's a mystery until now. Uh, originally, I was going to come today as Princess Bubblegum, but my crown would not 3D print yesterday despite four different attempts. That's which is why I did the hair. It still works. My, I mean, my girlfriend did the hair for nothing now. Like all <laughs> that, all that works. So So what I do have is candy here. Uh, here's that works. You can have this candy because I don't want it. I don't need. I don't. I don't need the sugar. 
you know the game works? Uh, at any point today, you may send a photo of this panel of us presenting anywhere at our Facebook. So you can find us at Pika Science on Facebook as well as Twitter. Yes, I'm going to dead name the website because he dead names people through Musk. Yay! I mean, he's compensating. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go if you're ready to go. Yeah, ready to go? Let's, let's do this. All right, let's rock and roll. You ready to do my Pokemon? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's get this started. You're in charge. Welcome. I'm in charge. Oh, that's a bad decision. Why let's get this started. That? <laughs> bad idea, Madison. Now it's time to run this. Uh, welcome. Here's our agenda. It's broken down to two parts. Uh, the, the educational part and the, the job hunting part. Um, don't, don't become a Pokemon trainer. We'll talk about why. Uh, if at any point in time you have any questions, comments, or concerns, raise your hand. I will uh, accidentally ignore you and then purposely ignore you and then call on you. So uh, feel free to do so. I'm happy to answer as many questions as I can. Uh, despite the fact that I listed all of my accomplishments, I'm not smart, so I may not have a great answer. And, um, and if I speak too fast, because this is my natural speaking speed of uh, a frustrated Pikachu level of talking. So if at any point in time I am talking too fast, please let me know. Uh, I will attempt and fail to slow down. I mean, the two of us together, though, I'm like a Gilmore Girls It's episode. not. Like, yeah, literally, yeah. literally, Lauren Graham's got nothing. We can do this all day. <laughs> it's great. Let's get started. Part one, economics in the Pokemon world. Uh, so let's get into it. First off, what is economics? Economics is a social science. It is commonly described as the boring science of which I sort of kind of agree. I, it, it depends on the topic that we're talking about. It studies the production, the distribution, and the consumption of goods and services. It's all about limited resources and distributing those limited resources. If you boil down any sort of economic <coughs> product, any process, any idea, it boils down to that idea of, we don't got a lot of this, how do we give it to as many people as we want? Or, uh, depending on the business, how do we not give it to as many people as we want? Cough, cough, uh, capitalism. I'm pro-capitalism, but not all the time. Um, Looking at you, dairy industry, <laughs> hiding all that cheese underground. The cheese, the underground cheese, the moon cheese. They factors. think we're joking, but there is literally an underground source of cheese. Like, this, this is like a go government funded, your tax dollars are paying for this. The underground cheese cane is wild. <laughs> <laughs> See, there it goes. Secret cheese caves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, why? So, like, why am, I, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Valid question. Before we get to that, yes. So, you said economics is talking about the scarcity. Okay, so so just hold on real quick. I'm gonna cancel this one because I, yeah, I, I do think it. about this. Okay, so let's just say again, I'm gonna use Marvel Cinematic Universe as a great example here. Instead of creating infinite resources, Purple Jack decided to just wipe out half the universe. So even with the ability to make infinite resources, we choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to bleep that because Pokenomics is actually family friendly. <laughs> I don't know if Pokenomics is friendly, friendly. I'm frame, I'm the thing that I can't say. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Just Ben and my show is, is not family friendly. No. Uh, PG-13, to be clear. True. Uh, so, why? Why study economics? Why have I dedicated many, many uh, years into this dry subject? It's uh, about a variety of different things depending on how you want to focus about it. It can talk about how uh, groups are prospering or failing at a particular point. Uh, it can design public policy. It can make industries more efficient. It can make things better or things worse, which sort of describes everything, but I like to think 
everything is economics because otherwise I feel very self-conscious about the decisions that I've made in my life. So um, I, I put my, my, my life and soul into this very, very dry subject. Money in the Pokemon world. Let's talk about it. What is the money in the Pokemon world? Does anyone know? If you give an answer, I will be happy. Yes. Pokey dollars is a valid answer. But not uh, correct. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily correct or incorrect. I Depending say Depending on what game you're buying. I, the correct answer for me is if you're a, uh, a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon player. So there's a correct answer there. Anybody know the answer to that? Yes. Poke. Yes. Poke is uh, the correct answer. Every other answer is wrong. Um, because uh, Mystery Dungeon is the best, and that's right, I stand by. So, um, before we do that, we have to make a few assumptions, ignoring the actual, like, uh, Poke aspect of it. Uh, we're going to assume the Pokemon world is in our world, because otherwise the Poke is the correct answer, or Pokemon money. Um, more importantly, humans in the Pokemon world are equivalent to humans in this world. We're all just as smart and or just as stupid as the person next to us. Uh, no offense, Madison. Um, <laughs> Pokemon reflects... <laughs> I mean, you're next to me. You're next to me. That's, a, that's the only reason. That's the only reason. I apologize. Um, Pokemon reflects uh, Japan for the most part, depending on the game um, and depending on the, the time in particular, and is respective roughly to the year of their release. We make this assumption because otherwise uh, conversion rates become infinitely more complicated, and I would prefer not to handle more math than I already do, which being an economics degree is quite a bit of math. Well, can we say, and I don't, I don't know if any of them know, but I... Original red and green. It's not even uh, pokey dollars or po it's uh, it's actually just yen. It's just straight up yen. It's just actually yen. So and when you do the conversions there, it actually works out pretty well. So mm -hmm. we're talking. So like if we said a lemonade was was it one fifty? It's like two hundred, I think. Two hundred, which is essentially the equivalent of uh, two dollars, which is kind of actually a reasonable price. Uh, just because you have to remember that in yen we don't have the decimal. So if you just move the decimal point, uh, you essentially have the, equi the equivalent of dollars. So when you, yeah. when you do that, then all the math that we're going to do today makes sense, and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I will say, uh, if, we, if we dive into more specifics and go into like, you know, currency transactions and me lowering my glasses like this, um, uh, it, it, as, as time has gone on, the Japanese yen has gotten weaker in comparison to the dollar. So instead of 100 to 1, it's close to like 150, 160 to 1 right now. Yeah. Um, Something along those lines. The only reason why I say that is because I go to Japan in a few months, and I need to uh, learn all this. <laughs> and buy me a lot of things. And theoretically buying Madison a lot of things. <laughs> uh, if, I can, if I can fit it in my suitcase. Uh, so Generation 1 in particular, this is probably the easiest to talk about because Gen 1, 2, 3, 4, various aspects of future generations are focused on Japan in and of itself. In fact, here is a map showing quite literally the Kanto region, the Johto region, so on and so forth. Um, it's, can, Gen 1 Kanto in particular is very much based on the actual Kanto location, um, including Tokyo, Saitama, the Chiba pre prefectures. Um, Celadon City is based on Shinjuku, um, which you can see here. The Kanto map, the Kanto map, they're very, very similar. In fact, you can sort of make a loose pathway if you want to follow your journey through Kanto, following it through the map of the actual Kanto region. See, so, yeah, there's pretty good similarities there. Uh, the Pokemon currency in particular, I call it Poke because of Mystery Dungeon, and I'm right. All of y'all that call it Poke Dollars, I will not say you're wrong, but you are. Uh, based on the you Japanese can, uh, yen in particular. find him outside of the panel afterwards. <laughs> you want to throw him? Fight me. I promise I will lose. <laughs> but I'll still stand by in my opinion. Uh, it's based on the Japanese yen, as mentioned. Uh, it's actually literally called yen in the original red and green games. Uses a symbol that has 
moved all of a sudden. The yen is moving. I think that's reflecting how the yen has dropped um, probably <laughs> since we last made this presentation. Um, and it's used across all sorts of different games, kind of like how the euro is used throughout many European countries. Every now and then you might notice something like a month in Pokemon, uh, Pokemonomics episode. It is because that is an actual time where I talked an episode that released about this specific topic. So the June 2023 topic was about how I personally believe the Eurozone and the Poke are very, very similar because it is a currency that is used across various different countries. They're, inter they're related to each other. Prices in one area are effectively the prices in another area, um, which you can sort of see by the fact that the actual like Pokeball cost has not really changed in the past few generations. You could argue that's some sort of like inflation combined with various region dynamic there, or you could just say, hey, all of the regions are operating under the same currency. Well, and if they don't know, just to explain really quick what mm -hmm. the Eurozone is, uh, essentially we're talking about economic blocks, which is the idea that we have trade agreements, price agreements, we have economic agreements between countries, whether or not they're the same governing body. So and these agreements are binding. And I know a lot of the, so my favorite, one of my favorite animes, Gundam, does a lot of this where they talk about the future, like, and like logically it makes sense that you'd see a lot of uh, economic zones developing as we see, like, because we've seen this naturally occurring. We see this in, you know, uh, Southeast Asia, we see this in the Pacific, we see this in South America. So we see these trade zones definitely developing. So it's mm -hmm. a natural thing. So the idea that it would work here. I mean, plus, you know, the first four gens are the same country, so. Yeah, that also helps uh, further emphasize the specific theory. <laughs> that I, I doubt, again, I've said this multiple times in episodes. Um, I say again, like, uh, I fully expect everybody here to have listened to every single episode of the you show. You better have. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I routinely talk about the fact that I doubt they're going to make a Pokemon supply, Pokemon demand game for Gen 10. <laughs> if they do, they're going to have a target audience of one, and y'all know who that is. Uh, two. I'm buying in two. That sounds two great. people. Um, here's a few examples of translating Poke to Yen to USD in particular. Since Poke and Yen are in this universe equivalent, they're roughly the same, which you can see here. So the Pokeball, uh, Scarlet and Violet prices are here. Compare that to Red and Blue prices because there have been some changes. Um, Pokeball at 200 Poke, that's equivalent to 200 Yen, which is about $1.30. So if you go to the store and buy a Coke, that's almost equivalent to, well, actually maybe not these days. Um, if you go buy a Coke in the year 2005, I suppose. Uh, you can get that for about the same price as you can get a Pokeball. If um, I'm going to buy Coke, I'm going to go back to 1910. Yeah. They know what's up. I'm a good boy, so no. You can see potions as well, 200 Poke, 200 Yen is a similar price. A Poke doll is about $2 of modern day money. Um, and a revive is about thirteen forty nine. so you could probably buy a burger or a revive. So. Can uh, Pokemon Center like actually list their Poke dolls at that price? That's a valid concept. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they they will, but <laughs> yeah, these prices do not reflect on real. You know, if you actually right, yeah, it's not no, because because the problem is shipping, right? That's the big yeah. thing. <laughs> right, shipping. Ship, the shipping cost is where everything else. Makes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that ends our currency conversation. Let's do We're, it. Supply and demand. This is 19 of the 20% that I mentioned previously about economics. This is, uh, you know, graph go up, graph down. I didn't say words there. Apologize. Graph go up, graph go down. It's vital that you understand that. Um, and supply and demand really show off the graph go up, graph go down concepts. 
Uh, let's talk about supply and demand. Demand refers to how much of a quantity of a product of a service is desired by consumers. The quantity demanded is the amount of product people are willing to buy at a certain price. If you take that and sort of inverse it, that results in supply. Supply results into how much a market can offer. The quantity supplied refers to a certain pr uh, good or product producers are willing to supply when receiving a certain price. So at a certain price, a certain number of people are going to buy it, a certain number of people are going to sell it. Correlation between price and uh, the, between price and quantity demanded, quantity supplied, all that is known as the supply relationship. Price is a reflection of supply and demand. That's where graph go up, graph go down becomes really important. The equilibrium is where the supply and demand lines are actually equal. If we take this to the Pokemon world, the supply of slowpoke tails, for example, a delicacy that uh, as a vegetarian I would have no idea about, um, is, is you know, supply very low. Demand, theoretically, very high, even though the only people that are selling it are rocket folks. Um, and so as a result, you have a very low supply, very high demand, resulting in a massive price. Same thing with bicycles, because uh, you know cars are, I'm, I'm assuming getting a license is like getting it on the real life of having to go to the DMV and Pokemon trainers are just like, nah, we ain't doing that. Um, and so as a result, same thing, bikes Their being insurance a, price is gonna go up. Insurance prices, that's probably the explanation for it. They looked at it and decided, you know what, insurance is too much. Uh, also that, but you know. The, See, hey, like it, didn't, it, didn't stop, it didn't stop short round. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, bicycles, slowpoke trails, similar sort of concept, low supply, high demand, resulting in a higher price. Now, what I'm about to, about to reveal on the next, next slide here is incredibly important. This is the big thing. This is the thing I have been saying over and over again. Graph go up, graph go down. It is vital. It's here. This is it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't believe I got applause for supply and demand. <laughs> I'm doing something right here. Kai Rizdo would be proud of you. <laughs> yeah, does that not happen in the classes you teach? Your students don't clap for you? Like? I teach a recitation class. Students don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> they watch the Zoom recordings afterwards. Uh, I would know because I'm also that same type of student. Uh, these two, <laughs> these two graphs here uh, represent the law of demand and the law of supply. The idea that as more product is available, suppliers are going to start producing at a higher amount because the prices are higher, right? If you're a supplier of something and I tell you you can sell it for $5, you're going to make a certain amount. If I, sell, if I tell you you can sell it for $10, now you're going to make even more. Demand is the inverse of that. If I tell a uh, consumer you can buy this for $10, they'll buy this much. You can buy it for five dollars. They're going to buy a lot more of it, or more people are going to buy it. Is technically the the right answer there. And there we go from supply and demand to economic systems. Now there are four of them that are uh, of big importance. Uh, there, those are the traditional, the market, the command, and a mixed. The mixed, unsurprisingly, is a mixture of the other ones, and so you kind of get the explanation for that. We'll just set that off to the side. Uh, traditional is shaped by tradition, trading resources with each other. The ancient times of uh, a while ago, slash maybe this convention, depending on how you do your trades, um, you trade resources with each other. You say, I'll give you, uh, to use Catan references, I suppose, I'll give you two wheat for you know one, one wood or something along those lines. Uh, um, no, because I only have sheep. <laughs> Does anyone have any wood? Is my real question here. I will discuss. I will discuss this with you afterwards. Uh, insert, insert dirty joke here. <laughs> you, know, you know how I play Catan, Anna? Uh, I'm worried. I, I make sure that I monopolize just one resource, and that's all I do. I applaud this as a <laughs> as a theoretical capitalist. Um, 
the, the market economic system, as we move on to that, is sort of kind of similar to this in a way. Uh, decisions are made by individuals and only individuals. There is no external influence, and it's made by basically paying for stuff. This is an extreme version of the U.S. version. It's the best way to describe it. Uh, a command system is the extreme version of, say, the Soviet Union. The government controls the economy and distributes resources according to their specific rules. Ideally, it's distributed equally. In the past, um, it, 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 it does not. So, well, we've um, never had a true free market or a true command system right. ever. Uh, because when you approach the end of the economic spectrum, you have things that crumble. So a true, the closest we've ever in history gotten to true free market would have been the Gilded Era. And for those who know your history, you know that that means 99% of us were poor and starving. But, but that one percent, that one percent, was great. <laughs> uh, and and honestly, we we've never really had a true <laughs> command uh, system because of corruption. I mean, that's the easiest answer is that we've never been able to do that because corruption exists in such a predominant level within the human uh, psyche that there's always this need for greed, and so we can't ever just have a system where everything's equal because there's always going to be someone who's like, no, 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 mine. You heard it here. Star Trek's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Unless we get really, really good at being really, really nice. Everyone's getting really cool about shit right now. <laughs> God, what if we just, like, stopped wars, though? Like, you know, that's kind of wild. Uh, no. <laughs> the economy so, would crash tomorrow. What? I don't know. What is the economy in Pokemon? What is the economy in Pokemon? <gasps> very, very good question. It's um, a lot of things. It's, it's, it's Norway. It's, it's not a bad comparison, honestly. Uh, it's a mixed economy, like all but the North Koreas out there, um, because it combines aspects of different economic systems. In fact, let's talk about a few. Uh, you can see here healthcare, for example. It's got different aspects of different things. You can think of it of a government resource that's provided because you can go to a Pokemon Center for free. Um, you can uh, you can go to capitalist and buying potions. You can go traditional-ish by uh, buying herbal medicines. You can answer questions like I've been ignoring. Yes. Replace wars with children card games. Uh, I well, I was, so first off, Yu-Gi-Oh is war. Why well, I don't go near that anymore. Now, and Magic the Gathering is worse than war because it smells. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're all laughing. No other card games had to ins insert rules into their competitive scene where they said players must shower. Okay, actually, I have heard them talk about that with TPCI too. Uh huh. I'm sorry. Well, Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic have done that. TPCI did that too? They were talking about it. Well, they haven't had to yet, so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I will say this. Um, I, in my uh, my younger ages, honestly thought um, if people were nice enough and they could do this, rather than having giant wars, what if they just had the two uh, quote-unquote generals just lead a matchup of chess and see whoever wins that ends up being it? <laughs> honestly, Yu-Gi-Oh! Probably a, a good thing. My only hesitation is that a lot of the current meta is very OTK type of stuff, and so you'd have to have you have to make sure the ban list is made proper on both sides. Uh, you don't want to have like a firewall dragon situation. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure, and then, you know nobody does any uh, war crimes, aka bringing firewall dragon five years ago or um, whatever the equivalent is these days. I, I, I haven't been following. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! sports, so stadiums are paid for with taxpayer dollars. It's actually my very first Pokemonomics episode. I talked about how, because uh, I'm a big sports nerd, I know it's weird. I'm a Pokemon fan and a sports nerd. We do exist. 
We're not very common, but we do exist. Um, and stadiums them, themselves are very interest, interestingly placed because theoretically, uh, it provides potential economic growth for the local community. In actuality, it's sort of hit or miss. It kind of depends on the stadium, how much money is put in, what results come out, um, how actually, they get their money. Um, actually, are we going to debate this here? We can. This is a, this is a slight point of contention <laughs> here. Right? Uh, is, it is my understanding, and I know my economics is not my field, but you know I'm a big econ junkie too, and it, it is my understanding that stadiums do not generate enough revenue in the local economy to any time in the past 40 years justify the tax dollars. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so just so you're aware, we're agreeing here. <laughs> in the past 40 years, tax dollars for a stadium has been a net loss, never a net gain. It's mainly due to the fact that... That's why no one just, wants to yeah. host the Olympics, right? Oh. That, that plays a role in this. I mean, like, they the lose so much money. Was that what you were going to mention? Uh, so it's, it's yeah. international. Internationally, it's generally the case. I think a part of the factor is just how much money is going into stadiums these days, yeah. right? Uh, to, you know, the... the I'm, I'm a football nerd, so take like the, the, the Chargers Ram Stadium, take Dallas in recent years. Um, those stadiums are almost billion dollar stadiums with the, the sheer volume of things that are involved in there. And so it's very hard to make that up in the local economy just because you're spending that much. Think about um, the Dolphin Stadium. They have like an actual dolphin tank. Yes. And, and the Marlin actually, Stadium, the Marlin Stadium has an actual aquarium built into the stadium wall. What um, is going on uh, in Florida? I mean, that's your tax dollars, yeah. It's I don't absolutely worth it. And by worth it, I mean not at all, but it's still doesn't matter. Uh, uh, yes? Is the Spike Moose Stadium equivalent to FedEx Field? Sure. Um, I'm going to say yes. Uh, so I, I, I need to clarify things. Uh, I am a sane one, but I am an Eagles fan. Yes. Absolutely. I will give any chance I can to roast FedEx Stadium. Um, go ahead. Which one is that? I will say that, yeah. Um, that's, oh, because it's F1. Yeah, because it's F1. No, it is. It's actually one of the few sports, I think, it, that could probably it's okay. make It's one of the money. few ones that actually pays off. Because mm -hmm. like, basketball, baseball, football, don't they always end up being a net loss. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, uh, so like, next time you guys are voting on like tax dollars for a stadium, just be aware of that. <laughs> right. Um, and then transport. Transport's another thing as, as well. Uh, think about Scarlet and Violet when you're playing through the games, especially the DLC. You're flying back and forth. Theoretically, now it depends on how this is done. This is either subsidized by the school, which is part of, you know, if it's a public school, the public thing there, or it's fees. Um, I, your, your single mother that is somehow paying for your private education to become a champion slash. Okay, and her like beautiful beachfront property. Yeah. How right. can she afford that? I, either she. Oh. Okay, wait, on that note, uh, play the DLC, Penny <laughs> says that your mom in the game is just like so pretty, like that Penny just like loses her brain function. I think that's very funny. Yes, her brain glitches, yes. So listen, listen, it could be real. I, I, I don't want that to be real. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, again, I'm a baby compared to everybody, so. Um, Rail systems, yeah, those are also free. Um, I'm thinking more like uh, it's the Heart Gold and Soul Silver that has the rail system, like the Johto region, I believe, that has oh, the rail systems. Uh, so it is a Gen, was that Gen two slash five. Five. five as well? Oh, yeah. Unova does as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I literally dress up as it right here, Andrew. Come I, I, I I have not played Gen five games, um, which I don't know why. It's just but I, also in, in, uh, in Gen six, you did pay cab fare. 
also have not played Gen 6. Oh, <gasps> it's not my fault. That was my break time. That was my break time. I, look, that was when I was like 14, 13, 12. And that was the time where I'm like, Pokemon's not cool. And then I joined back on in Gen 7 because um, that, that it, it came back to me. Okay. And now I'm here. So here we are. Um, Monopolies. Here we go. <laughs> Monopolies. Typically a dominant slash single seller. And Monopoly doesn't necessarily need to have a one person rule all thing. It's a one person rule a lot thing. Um, in a monopoly market, your sellers face no real competition. If you think of a market pie chart, for example, it's one of those that has a lot of it being one company and a bunch of tiny little fragments in the other. Um, you're typically the sole seller of insert product, insert service here. Um, I talked about this in the December episode, if you want to check this out. Uh, by the way, in case you haven't realized it, I do these monthly. Um, because otherwise, just having December probably wouldn't help too much. Um, examples in Pokemon include Silphco, Devoncorp, giant corporations that exist uh, in the Pokemon in reality's sake, because it's simple to have one company do everything, in my overanalyzing self's case, um, because they're monopolies that are uh, government-issued uh, companies that uh, make the product and thingy thing so that you have to go to the ghost tower thing because uh, Gen 1 needed to pad content. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, and then uh, with monopolies and other sort of economic systems and markets like this, it leads into automation, another fascinating topic that uh, we could spend hours and hours going into. You know, when I, the, when I used to present panels about Pokenomics here mm. before you and I knew each other, I did like to go into the automation point because I know, and I, I know you and I have different feelings about UBI, mm. uh, Universal Basic Income, for anyone who does not know what that is. The idea, the concept is that the economy itself has enough funds in it, which it most certainly does, as the stock market is not the sign of the economy, it's just the stock market, and our stock market is doing great. Um, the idea is that you would take off of the top earners and you would redistribute that in a way that everyone has at least a basic set income. Uh, the studies have been, I mean, the more, the recent, the more recent studies have been really positive. Mm -hmm. The original ones about 10, 20 years ago were kind of mixed, uh, but as we've implemented it more and more across the world, it, it is showing like, because the issue is that productivity is so high now because of automation and things like AI, robots, that the actual cost, the actual profit is not distributed in a way that actually impacts the workers because so much of it just comes from automated things. So, and we think about this with Pokemon because you could do an, like one-to-one -one comparison because like you have, uh, was it some of the early games, you have Machamps out there like building and constructing, I think that's a Gen 1 even, and then you know all the way get into Gen 4, there's Babarel building a bridge. like. Those are things that we don't have to pay, so it is a sign of automation, but the profit from that labor still goes somewhere, so that's why automation, that's how that works, where the profit from the labor goes to the top, but doesn't go down. So that's where we get things like UBI, which has always been my argument for why people are home during the, in the games, because they're like, oh, I got, I got universal basic income, I don't need to go anywhere, we're, we're taxing dev on core at like marginal rate 92%, like mm -hmm. great, do it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting idea. Uh, to step back a little bit, talk about uh, sure, I'm automation. Sorry. No, 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 I, it, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not insulted at all. Uh, <laughs> productivity looks at how efficient resources, labor, capital, land, material, energy, other words inserted here, are used in order to produce in various different goods and services. Higher productivity accomplishes more with the same amount of resources or achieving higher output in terms of volume and quantity for the same input. You put stuff in, you get stuff out. You put more stuff in, you get more stuff out. The best case scenario is you put the same stuff in and get more stuff out. Make sense? Graph go up, graph go down. Who's with me? 
This feels like a feels like a chant that I'm doing right before we go out to do it. Let's do it together. Ready? Graph, go, go up. up. Graph go down. And where I, are the pictures of us on Twitter? Come on, guys. I gotta. Don't make me eat this. I don't want to eat it. All right. What is automation in particular? Using automatic or computerized equipment in the system of production. Automation for productivity helps because machines are able to make more stuff than humans are at a higher rate of efficiency than people, and theoretically can produce a higher profit, assuming your machine is done right and or your people um, are as good as normal people are. <laughs> you know, if you've got a really skilled person, then you, 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 you leave the skilled person in. They're obviously doing things better. Is automation bad? It depends on who you are. If you're the worker that's being unemployed, yeah, it makes sense that automation is bad. If you're the company owner that's trying to make a profit, then automation is good. Automation does certainly lead to job loss, though it doesn't necessarily have to. Computers are only really good at certain types of tasks. We haven't reached the point where computers can do the creative, do the things surrounding, make up their own ideas. We haven't quite reached that level yet. They can and analyze things well, they can interpret data well, they can interrupt Madison like I can, because I'm a computer. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you finish, uh, and I'm gonna they, in Yeah, but, but they can't innovate. They can't create on their own. They need something put into it. They can do repetitive tasks really well, but they struggle with new problems. So people, rather than doing the jobs that used to be theirs and now is automated, will now instead have to move to a different field. That's why a lot of programs actually exist where um, take a, what is it, coal mining or oil yeah. mining or stuff like that. Oil mining. Um, yeah, oil mining, because that's how you do it. Uh, you, mining for oil. Instead of that, uh, you find them actually being the computer programmers, of us being trained and learning how to produce the machines or make the machines more efficient and then doing their, their, their specific tasks. Well, and we, we see, this, so two things. First, we do see this now because we have, the, we have a larger wealth disparity right now than we did during the Gilded Era or the Great Depression. Um, it's the largest wealth disparity we've ever seen. And a lot of that is because of automation. I mean, you look at who is our wealthiest people. There are people that rely on automation for their companies to exist. Uh, and at the same point are not paying workers a livable wage. So essentially, you're, when, anytime you guys go on Amazon, congrats, you're subsidizing those workers' wages and access to health care because, you know, Daddy Bezos here is making more money than anyone needs uh, and could be spending hundreds of millions every day and still never spend it all. Uh, but th that's part of it. The other thing I was going to say about AI is that I know we tend to be, people are like, well, what about AI art? But it's, it's actually not creative. It looks for repetitive patterns within what others have created and mimics that. And it's why we get things like, hey, that dude has six fingers. Or those teeth are weird. Uh, I, I, the joke is that like AI art is like fey. Mm. Count, the, count the fingers, count the teeth. Like how you know it's full of crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, uh, I was going to really quick chime in here, because uh, I'm a huge anime nerd, we know that. We're here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so the, the anime Carol and Tuesday, cute little sapphic show, great show. Um, but the entire premise is that in the future, AI creates music, hmm. and they become like these two artists that actually write it from hand, and it becomes like this whole thing. People are like, where's your AI? It's like, it's here. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, when my students turn in AI written papers, it's AI is not ruining the future. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> we still need handwritten creative people. It's okay. Well, and honestly, it breaks the promise of automation anyways. To have AI do art breaks the entire... I mean, that was the whole promise within economics, that automation would bring freedom for us to be, to be productive and creative which is why we, I bring up UD, uh, UBI before, because 
the concept is, is that if we switch to UBI rather than allowing the, the disparity to grow, then we allow people to be creative, not computers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I love econ too. This yeah. is, I love it. Uh, it's great. So take that like last five minutes or so and then just repeat it here. This slide. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, it, it's, it's very much what Madison was talking about. Pokemon are represented in automation. You see the Pokemon effectively being the machines. You've got the Machamps that are uh, the one that pops in my head because I played Gen 3 way too much is Gen 3 where you've got, I think, it's Machamps, Mach- Machokes and some other Pokemon, I think, depending on the game. The Vigoroth line, yes. Uh, coming coming in and actually uh, constructing your house, moving the, the, not constructing, but moving the furniture in from uh, the truck that your mom threw you into before the start of the game. Um, <laughs> they're the ones that are doing the work. They're doing the, the, the labor and the easy tasks so that we can do the creative stuff, like making sure the clock is fixed. Because apparently, I guess, Vigoroth slash Machoke can't tell time. Because, um, which, sure, why not? Um, do we see negative effects in the Pokemon universe? Um, not really. Uh, it also helps that it's a children's game, and we don't necessarily want to see the negative effects, but we don't really see it. We see a lot of people just taking vacations, relaxing, uh, having only f- so they can buy them beachfront paradise <laughs> things. Yes, you do believe it. Other stuff. Um, I do believe, I do believe. Which has been suggested by tech experts, tech experts, economists, other folks, uh, as to what would theoretically happen with more automation, assuming things are going well. Yes. I do want to point out that Yes. As, an, as, a, uh, as a tool. That is a good point. So um, you heard it. Ends coming back to get Peter going. Okay. This is where this is where Gen Five, the Gen Five remakes that are coming out between now and the end of time. That's probably what they're going to be referring to. I sort of agree, yeah. but I'm also very biased because I like the Gen Four games. So I kind of just glossed over all the negative stuff and like, oh my gosh, it's my little Piplup and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, at um, least I got a few outfits. There are, few, yeah. there are a few outfits. Yeah, there are a few outfits. Uh, people are at home. UBI exists theoretically in this universe if we want to take it that way. Uh, it's not enough to set you for life. UBI is theoretically, it's supposed to be designed to stabilize, I guess, your life in the best way so that you can spend time when earning your money at your job to go put that towards more creative purposes or the more luxury sort of things. Um, yes? Very true. As you can tell, I'm dressed up currently like uh, Giovanni during Rainbow Rescue or Rainbow Rocket sign uh, wearing yeah. a pink thing. It's either that. You heard it here. Giovanni supporting his queer son. <laughs> yeah. Rainbow that's, Rocket. That's a possibility. That's what um, it is. Silver, sil- Silver comes out and Giovanni's like, hold my beer, guys. <laughs> oh gosh, can I still do it? Uh, so, uh, random aside, I do voices and stuff for my DN, not DNT, it's a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Uh, tabletop. podcast, tabletop role-playing podcast. Um, so I do voices and all that because I'm a DM and all that. Um, and I, I do it. Giovanni's voice is Bakura's voice, and I can do Bakura's voice. So it's effectively Giovanni's voice. Wait, but Bakura? Bakura from Yu-Gi-Oh. From Yu-Gi-Oh. I was gonna say Bakura, like the weird, like. No, no, not that one. Um, no, he's the one whose face goes like. Uh, that. Um, that was Merrick. So, I thought Bakura's it? did it too, didn't it? I. Oh, just Merrick. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Merrick's, yeah. yeah Bakura's is just... Oh, Bakura's the cute femboy. That's yes, it. Yes, okay, that's it. Cute femboy. Got it. Yeah, um, <laughs> which, I, which I have to start off always by using the same line from the final season. of starting off like, Diabal, Dark Black... What is it? No, he uses the white lightning, right? So it's like, Diabal, White Lightning Attack. There you are, Ash. I understand that your plan is here. You know, he's got that sort of like bouncy voice right there. 
Um, it's like, I so, love you, Silver, no matter what. So, Silver, it seems that you're here. That's understandable. I understand that this is a brand new skill. A new, you know, I feel like that's how Bakura talks, where it's like, this. Can you, can you, do, wait, can you do him welcoming Silver home for Thanksgiving? Welcome, Silver. <laughs> I'm glad you came in in time. The football game is about to begin. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the Cowboys lose again. Uh, but I like I like the Lions better than the Cowboys because I'm an Eagles fan, right? Giovanni's an Eagles fan. I'm, that's my candidate. Right? Sorry. Uh, speaking of things that Giovanni doesn't do, taxes. <laughs> taxes in the Pokemon world. Are they paid by adults? Uh, probably. Uh, probably. We'd have to assume so. Uh, the, the, the reason why they don't implement the tax system for kids is because uh, they don't want you to be like, but where'd my money go after like every hour or whatever, whatever is equivalent to a day? Yes. I think Larry is the IRS. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, which I respect. And that's why we love Larry even more, because he's taken down the billionaires. That's probably why he's so depressed. <laughs> okay, Larry Listen, love. Wait. Okay, children, do pay taxes when you have your mom take your money in Gen um, Hardwood and Soul Silver, and I think in Gen 2. Yes, yeah. So I feel like that's a tax, but you can turn it on or off. It's a tax to your mom, which... It's also to your mom. Anyways... Uh, she buys, she buys items. Like yeah. She was like, "Hey, I was thinking of you, and I saw your money sitting here in I my wallet." I don't know. I, saw you gave I don't know if she. I don't know if she actually spends your money or not. I just know yeah, she certain, does. She, does she spend it? Your money. Okay. Literally spends it. Yeah. Um, I just know at certain milestone dollar amounts that uh, an item is purchased with. Yeah, with your money. Yep. So my favorite Pokemon is Wigglytuff, so I'm perfectly fine with that. Wigglytuff! <laughs> um, I, I used to be able to get a Wigglytuff voice. Um, as you can tell, I'm a man now, so no. Um, that's a, <laughs> yes! Thank you. I'm glad somebody understands it. Um, could they be built into pricing? Possibly, but not likely. Taxing goods and not wealth is a regressive tax, technically speaking, because it's uh, based on the percentages of how much money you have, right? Say you're somebody that has $10,000, you buy something for that has a $1,000 tax on it, or percentage tax, it impacts you more than somebody that makes 100000 versus somebody that makes a million. So technically that is a regressive tax. Progressive taxing looks like income taxes. The more you make, the more you pay, especially when you reach certain levels. And uh, regressive taxing, the, uh, by calculation-wise, hurts the poor more. Progressive taxing hurts the rich more. Who would you rather hurt? Well, in Ohio, we hurt the poor. I mean, we. No are one's laughing, but like, like. I mean, I didn't vote for them. Who would you rather? I'm not doing anything. I show up to vote. I didn't vote for them. It's it's uh it's possible that taxation is built in and we just don't discuss it. It's kind of like um I believe in Germany the taxes are already built in yep. when you go to the register. Yep. Um, but uh, we don't talk about it because. Well, um, a lot of countries do that where the pricing has to be built in with taxes mm -hmm. already. Uh, the U.S. doesn't, though, and that's because of behavioral economics. Woo, we could talk about that, but uh, we don't they have time. They trick you into thinking things are worth less than they are, and then you end up paying more. Why do we not have time? Because we're going to try to dissuade you from joining that Indeed oh. job posting. we got 15 minutes on the clock. Go. I think we have eight minutes on the clock, actually. No, we, we're the next one in here. We don't oh, care. that's true. Yeah, if y'all want to stick around, you can. Um, 
Anyway, should you become a Pokemon trainer? Now, I know everybody out here has done the same thing I have. We've gone on LinkedIn. We found the one, you know, Johto Elite Four posting that was posted on there because uh, Bruno stepped down after being not a great Elite Four member in Gen 1 and Gen 2. So, you know, two Onyxes and all that sort of stuff. So as a result, they're, they're looking for a new Elite Four member. You're interested. You're here. You're ready. You're excited. You've been studying for decades and decades and decades. But it's a lot of work. That's a lot of downsides. We're talking to the 10-year-olds and the adults. In fact, it's probably more work for the adults because you probably have to pay the taxes that the video game versions don't have to pay. We're going to break this down into different sections, talking about whether or not you want to be a Pokemon trader by talking about salaries, jobs, and the whole living with Pokemon thing that uh, people tend not to realize. Salaries. Let's talk about making that bank. And by bank, I mean maybe a river. Um, let's see if you got that. Um, Salaries, making that money, let's talk about how winnings work. Here is a couple of random location and earnings that you get. Average winnings at the Saffron City Gym, you make about $4.34. I believe this is per battle. Yeah, so just remember, like, you're stealing these kids' lunch money. Right. We, we talk about average winning in Viridian Forest. So going to fight those bug catchers, you're stealing all 51 cents that they've got to buy their, in, you know, their, their half a cupcake. Or they carrot. were on the way to the store to get milk from their mom, and you robbed them. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they should have won. Metapod boy gotta get better, get good. Yes, in the back. That's a fair point. We we do challenge you, but but also you know they 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 challenge us. I gotta win, and we challenge you. It's it's I always wonder how this works as well. Like, do you take the money and put it in the center before you fight? Because otherwise you have to lose, and then I guess walk up to the other guy and be like, yeah, give me that. Yeah, that's a fair Yes. To be fair, in certain in later games, if you lose to wild Pokemon, they say you drop money. I imagine that they just literally mug you, like a Rattata comes up. <laughs> Rattata's beaten all your Pokemon at this point. It's like, look. Rattata's got a Glock with it. Rattata walks up into you and be like, look, I'm not Joey's Rattata. I'm at the 2%, but come on, put him up. <laughs> Um, and you can compare all of these different values to the, the U.S. individual poverty level. Uh, Japan, funnily enough, is very uh, not revealing about their uh, poverty level actual numbers. Um, so we have to go Gasp, by the U.S. one. No way. No way. <laughs> um, and so compare all of these different earnings that you get, like an average winning. At a, all of these are average winnings for a single battle. So average winning at Saffron City, average winning at, at any gym in Kanto. You're not making much per battle. Right, even if you speed, the, especially if you're one of those like stall tactics people, that's just killing money, guys. Because you're, you know, toxic protect go burr is taking time off the clock. That's less dollars per hour. It's gonna take a lot of battles or a lot of sponsors to be able to get you to at least poverty level, let alone uh, successfulness. So as a result, you can probably see this in most of the games. There are second jobs. A lot of gym leaders have other positions. There's a whole bunch of them here. Um, all sorts of various different things. I'm not going to go through each of them because these are all just different examples. But uh, there are other positions, other jobs, other tasks that the gym leaders do on top of being a gym leader, which is presumably paid some sort of salary because they are required to test you, not to win or to lose, but just prove that you can handle our level of capability. Um, because I prefer that to the Brock is a gym leader despite having two Pokemon at level 9 and 11 or 11 and 13, something along those lines. Um, I would prefer the, oh, he's making sure because you're the first one, he's going to start you off easy, rather than, hey, guys, I'm one of the top 12 trainers in the region. Go, Geodude. Use Harden. Copy-paste. Yes? Yes. 
Yes, that is true. In Journeys, they do a good job of pointing that out, of how uh, they're basically asking you, okay, how, how good are you? How, what, what level have you proven already? And then adjusting their team to do that, which is why you if can have... only go. the game would do that. The game has made a... It's better. An effort to explain it's it. It's better. And the fact that you can go on multiple paths on, in Scarlet and Violet in particular is beneficial. Um, though the teams, I don't believe, scale in that same well, regard. So um, They're almost there. It only, you know, it only five years. That's it. That's it. Gen, Gen 11, I, I believe. Cost of food. That's right. Food costs money. End presentation. No. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as an example, and this is where we bring uh, our boy Big Chungus into here. Um, some Pokemon, some species, uh, some Pokemon, before we get to Pokemon, some species of elephants, for example, as an, a random animal that happens to eat a lot, such as the African elephant, will eat up to 300 kilograms of food every day to sustain themselves. So, in other words, feeding an elephant for one month costs about $1,000. If we adjust, because Snorlax eats more than an elephant, adding about 33%, it would take about $1,330 per month to feed Snorlax, meaning that you have an age-old question. Do I feed Snorlax? Do I pay rent? Or do I eat my Snorlax? Or do you eat your Snorlax right, and gonna, not pay the rent? Can we hold no, questions? Uh, just because of where we're at in the presentation, though, I'm going to ask that we hold questions till the end, if that's okay. I want to make sure you get your stuff. Very true. Predator prey exists. That's a whole different animal that could theoretically be an episode, but I'm scared of the results. Uh, hunting and poaching. Hunting, real life sort of things. Insurance would be absolutely vital. This is probably going to be a future Pokenomics episode. Poaching and anti-poaching would be massive. Another possible Pokenomics episode. And Pokemon waste, that is not going to be an episode, no matter how much you demand it. I refuse to do calculations about how waste management work, because uh, I don't want to. Okay, so I, because originally when I put that in our original Pokenomics presentation, it's because of, I thought, um, so King of the Hill, there's an episode where... There's a show, yes. Yeah. Um, sorry, that's, a, that's about as far as I know. Uh, there's an episode where Bobby's supposed to go, because uh, in eighth grade, he's supposed to shadow a career. And Hank's like, Bobby's going to shadow me. Great. And instead, Bobby shadows this guy who has lots of money because he opened a dog poop cleaning business because rich people don't want to clean up their own dog's poop. So he found a market. He's like, dude, no one wants to do this. So I'm telling you here, like, imagine feeding this thing, let alone having to clean up that poop. I mean, we're talking about an animal that has now eaten more than an elephant. That waste has to go somewhere. So, like, I, I imagine in the Pokemon world, someone's making bank cleaning pokey poop. It's a Lola Muck. Yeah, Lola Muck is actually just running the entire business. Um, and speaking of uh, decisions that people make, opportunity cost, the final big topic that we'll talk about here. Opportunity cost is the economic concept that people weigh choices of spending money versus time. They are deciding which of these different options is best for them. To those who can afford it, paying someone to clean up your Pokemon's waste would be the go-to option because then you don't have to deal with it. But if everybody wants to do this, this creates an industry need. Again, graph go up, graph go down, supply and demand right here. And thus, cities, for example, used to pay wages for cleaning, cleaning up at nights of carriages. In the Pokemon world, you probably have a similar outcome of insert waste management company coming every day to clean up your mess, basically, quite literally. And then we get the Mafia. And then we get the Mafia. That's right. Rainbow Rockets back and better than ever. Um, cleaning up poop. Cleaning up poop. Look, look one step at a time. Uh, so as a result, closing notes, as I sit here and ramble as much as I can, as quickly as I can, the Pokemon world seems like a great place to live, and in fact it is, if we assume that humans have the same neurology and psychology, we can assume the same systems will be needed for a society to bloom. From these assumptions, we can make our conclusion for how to fix our own world problems, because economics, surprisingly, despite uh, Pokemon not really focusing on it, still does exist in the Pokemon game. So, if you want to see our problems fixed, there is only one thing for you to do. 
That is... Eat the rich. I, that is something. I, 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 you didn't have an answer to that question, did you? Yeah, I, I didn't actually write an answer for this question because, it, I, honestly, that is a decision that is up to you. How do you want to approach it? I've decided to approach it by studying economics and behavioral economics to understand how people think and how they do it. It's really an opportunity cost question for you about how you want to handle this. My solution is that barbecue sauce I've been working on. If you say so. Um, <laughs> conclusion. These are references. Don't... Don't click on them unless you have access to the slide. Um, here's the end of the slide. <laughs> Applause. <laughs>